Yeah. Wait, do you have fleas? Yes or no? Um, no. I, <sighs> I've. You can come over and check me for fleas if you want, Daddy. I'm so upset right now. I want you to have fleas. <laughs> I can't for the sake of the podcast. I will get a disgusting ailment for this podcast. That's how much I care about marketing. Mm-hmm. Got to make let's up for give, Facebook being down. Let's give Dylan COVID as a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it, man. If you guys let me call this episode the brown note, you can also give me COVID. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. It is truly the flea bag of podcasts. <laughs> My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from a very warm October evening in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm joined, of course, by my two co-hosts, starting with my favorite person all the way up in Tulsa, Ugh. which is about, how far away is Tulsa from me? Like 100 miles? To 100, 100? Like an hour and a half. So like 100 miles? Yeah, like something like that. Uh, Chelsea Trinidad, from across the world for me. How are you? I'm doing good. Might be a little closer. We'll, we have some business things cooking that maybe we'll get to share during season four. I don't know. Ooh. Oh, are you going to be our neighbors? Um, That would be cool if that worked out. I'm not sure, but, you know, at some point cool. in this, At some point in the series, we have to do a show with the three of us together in person. Yeah. It's going to be weird. I'm in on that. I know. What if, we, what if we're just like, I don't know what to do with my hands? <laughs> it's, <laughs> <Okay>. like, <laughs> it's, it's like meeting someone you met online in real life. Also here, the, the Fleeman of the show... Um, uh, his name is Dylan Irwin. He's got a terrible mustache. Oh yeah, and he's wearing his Ryan Atwood tank top. You you're know. looking real. You're looking real Riverside right now. Well, so what? Big Gus energy. Hey, you know what? He's he's a national treasure. What people don't realize is that when Ryan and I actually met up in person for the first time in like two years, and I remembered that he's taller than me, I felt my mm. masculinity threatened. So I've proceeded to start taking vegan mass gaining protein and going to CrossFit six days a week so I can defeat him if we ever fight. Um, but two things I want to say. One, uh, this episode is dedicated to Harold's story. Uh, Harold, I'm so sorry that Ryan and I are not at your anime night. I really wanted to go. I'm going to start bringing my child when she's born, um, starting at two weeks old. And also, uh, this episode tonight is sponsored by uh, Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, which I have never mentioned on this podcast before. I'm just really excited to be here. We have two more episodes of the OC to discuss today. And we are into, we're almost to the end of the season. I can't believe there's a light at the end of this season three tunnel. There is. Um, we are talking about episodes 19 and 20 today. So which means we have three more weeks of podcasts, right? Next week will be 21, 22, and then 23, 24. And then I think 25 will be its own podcast. Yep. Yeah, probably its own. We're so close to idea. being done. We're so close to being done with season three. Not that we don't love doing this, but boy, if we had better material to, to go off yeah, of, it would be really helpful. Yeah, it's just the source material. This is like passing a kidney stone, except having to do it for months. I Okay, I kind of like these last two episodes, not going to lie. They were better. Wow. I mean, just now that we're past Johnny, it's just got, it's picked up so much. Yeah. The second episode, that I'm the one I'm doing, was like, it was legitimately made me a little emotional for the first time in like a, uh, this whole season, which I feel like the OC has been an emotional show in the past. But this was that one really made me sad, specifically for Summer. Yeah, um, me too. Oh, fucking Seth. Seth is a little shit in both of these episodes. God, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Um, hey, real quick, can I give you some uh, notes that I? They're not. They're not um, corrections. corrections. They're not corrections. 
but they're just notes. So I'm watching. I'm I'm already rewatching season one with Macy, and last night we rewatched the Danny Go Big episode. Oh, <laughs> baby. and it was the first episode after Oliver. And I, there were two parts, there were two things in that episode that I noticed that I had never really thought about before. Now that we're watching season three, one of them was it was the it was the Hello Sunshine episode where Seth and Summer had sex for the first time, mm-hmm. and they hurt. So it they, couldn't they, have been the Go Big one. Oh, so it was after the Go Big. Sorry. Oh no, no, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. It was. Sorry. It was. A, we watched like three episodes. That was one of them. And then the, the one, the first episode after Oliver was when. Seth and Summer hooked up. There, remember? Do you remember they physically hurt each other? Like Seth, like knees her in the thigh or something, and yeah. <laughs> and Summer yeah. later references to Marissa. Marissa's like, "How did Seth hurt you? Like having sex?" And Summer's like, "I don't know. He probably read it in the Kama Sutra or something." And I was like, "Hey, oh. that's funny because in season three, Taylor introduces Seth to the Kama Sutra. Right? We just said that last week. Um, this show's two weeks smarter ago. than we give it credit for." I know, right? So mm-hmm. then the other thing that I noticed was this the first episode after Oliver when Ryan and Marissa are in their funk before they officially break up. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan has a line where he said, and I know we've made plenty of parallels to Johnny and Oliver, but I thought this one just slapped me in the face. When Ryan says something along the lines of like, look how easy it was for someone to show up in our lives and come between us. Ooh. And Marissa says, but I promise that will never happen again. Wow. And then look where we come two, two seasons later. Here yeah, comes, here comes Johnny Harper. But before anyway. then, it was Trey, and before then, it was DJ, so whatever. Brian's got to stop dating girls like that. I don't feel like Trey and DJ came between... Well, I guess Trey kind of did. Those were bigger... Yep. Th- yeah, you're probably... You're kind of right. DJ Literally, did. DJ he got, was... He got DJ, yeah, DJ was, was an innocent bystander. DJ was just caught in the crossfire of their bullshit, but... Trey yeah. was Actually, literally caught. Trey was literally caught in the crossfire. Yeah, Do you, you forget about DJ? I forgot about <laughs> DJ, actually. <laughs> Misha, Misha Barton... It's insane how much DJ was in this series for like five episodes, and now he's just never to be heard of, heard from again. I mean, five episodes is a lot in the OC world. I mean, did Charlotte get five episodes? Yeah, Bad Charlotte. I think she mm. did. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, uh, Olivia Wilde definitely did. Harry Styles' girlfriend. Uh, mm-hmm. Gidget definitely has. Sadie barely maybe gets five episodes. I think cousin. I like we have cousin. a nickname for everybody. This is great. I love this. <laughs> The and then cousin. Lindsay, and do we have wait? Did we have a, a nickname for Lindsay? I don't know if we did Oboe. Ob- I like Oboe. Yeah, I don't think we did. Lindsay, who talked really high when she got upset. Uh, I missed that. I missed the Lindsay impersonations every week. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get um, into this. I recognize. I I have been um, binging Grays, and I recognize her because she's the woman who accidentally kills George. <laughs> Wait, Lindsay's in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, she's only in one episode, and uh, she's like, she's like about, she's like in the street, and George like runs and pushes her out of the way and gets hit by a bus. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah. Wait, is so she? The rest is of the episode, are her and Luke in an episode together? No, I wish. Oh, oh my god, I wish I could see Chris Carmack on TV hey, again. What, what college do you think Luke? Got I have into? question. I have a question about Luke coming up later. It's okay, gonna. I, I say nothing. Surely Luke went back to USC, right? Uh, that's big. Yeah, big Pac-10 energy for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not Pac West. I'm sorry. Luke could. <laughs> Luke Six could hack West. it in the. In the Midwest, though, he has that aura about him. Actually, so the question I have about Luke that I have coming up, I feel like will be the hardest question I've ever asked either of you on this podcast. So get ready for that. Okay, I'm prepared. It's going to be tough. It's a tough one. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's start with episode number 19, The Secrets and Lies. The Secrets and Lies feature Sandy Cohen on screen for six minutes and 22 seconds. Dylan, go. 
Secrets and Lies originally uh, graced us with its presence on March 30th, 2006, but only 5.5 million people were actually there. Um, this episode is following that trend of being written by two people for some reason, Stephanie mm. Savage and Josh Schwartz. Um, so you guys want to talk about it? Yeah, I want to quickly say, uh, just real off the top, really bad music episodes. Both of these were bad music episodes. Yeah. Um, but the I music... Was, I was kind of thinking about that, too, as we were watching. I will say that maybe, I think the music moment of this episode was the very beginning, the opening scene of this episode, where they're at the bait shop. They're, like, at a rave at the bait shop. Oh, <laughs> and, I have uh, the only song, the song worth, the song was noteworthy because it was a song called "Faster Kill Pussycat" by Paul Oakenfold, featuring Brittany Murphy on vocals. Ooh, R.I.P. Yeah. Queen. Wow. Yeah. So that's your music moment. There you go. I had a Just Married poster up in my room for some reason. Um, I also had a Spider-Man cute. three poster. So we open up Spider-Man. With <laughs> Spider-Man two. Spider-Man. We open up with <laughs> DJ Ryan Drake playing the bait shop and Summer DJ? giving Seth a play-by-play on the Ryan cousin Macdown. From atop the catwalk, Summer and Seth spy Gidget and Marissa. Uh oh, they're found out. And Seth thinks Marissa's body language is telling. Oh my God. Him to t- this was my note. I- telling Gidget to, quote, touch her pooper. What this a was my great note. start. No, this was my note. Here, I'm just going to say it. I'm coming out behind the scenes. Here's some spoilers. Dylan really wants to call this episode the brown note, by the way. Yeah. It is going to be the brown. I didn't even have to say it. Now it's canon. Yeah. And I said I'm not I'm not uh, a big a fan as like poop humor as I think maybe Dylan is um, because I'm smarter and better than him. But I was shocked. I was pretty shocked that they got the word pooper into the OC. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. And plus, like, don't associate that word with like gorgeous Volchek. Like, I know he's evil and shit, but like, also he's really hot, and I do not want to associate pooper with hot guy. That's not. That cool felt with like me. a line that's that Adam Brody like improvised. I can't imagine them writing that into the script. Well, no, this did either. have two writers. Um, so this <laughs> You're right. was one, one was for Pooper, and then one was everything else. <laughs> yes. So thank you to Josh Schwartz for the touch her Pooper line. Um, so that's kind of what's going on right at the outset at Ryan's party. Uh, Ryan Drake, that is. Back at same trailer, different park, things are absolutely in shambles. Gidget and Marissa have been boning so hard they couldn't even close the fridge or hide the bong. <laughs> so, of course, Summer is going to show up. That happens up. sometimes. It really, it really does. You know, sometimes my milk goes bad. Um, Ugh, milk. <laughs> so Summer shows up and she's super nosy. Uh, but before Summer can dig in too much, both girls get calls from their respective parents. They've returned from the cruise and they're going uh, to get together for a family dinner. Marissa heads into the back room to change for school and endlessly cool Gidget takes a massive bong rip and introduces Marissa into shotgun kissing. How do you all feel about this relationship and this hiding of the OC's Heathcliff? It's on brand for I, I I guess I just have a lot of questions and part of my questions coming up in the next episode are trying to figure out why Marissa is spiraling so bad because that's the only explanation we have for her going out with Gidget even though he is incredibly hot obviously so hot He's just I mean so I hot. feel like that's a that's a lot of it I mean obviously she's had all these traumas traumas like snowball on each other um, Johnny was just the thing that pushed her over the edge. Um, I was thinking about it because I was like, is this because of her and Ryan breaking up? And I really, really don't think that she's sad about her and Ryan breaking up at all, personally. I don't think so. I I can't remember either if this is the episode or if it's the next episode where Summer refers to it as a, quote, slut spiral, which is fun to say, but problematic. Um, Wait, you don't think she's sad about the Ryan? You don't think she was upset about the Ryan breakup? 
No, I think that she was a lot more consumed with Johnny and trying to sort her feelings out there. And Ryan, her breaking up was kind of a byproduct of that. They've been drifting apart for a long time. Like, that's why she has that line to Summer in the episode before. That's like, sometimes if you're just not connecting, like, you know, emotionally, then, like, physically is all that there's left. You know, she says something like that whenever her and uh, <laughs> Volchek are just giving each other, like, glances. Um, the outfit of the episode is actually that jacket uh, Marissa wears. Like, Shacket. you know, she, like, <laughs> you know, Summer's banging on the door and she just, like, grabs Volchek's tank top and puts it on. And, like, they just, like, could not have picked a more cliche. Like, this guy's bad news. Like, cut off muscle tank. It's, like, from a monster truck rally or something from the 80s. I just thought the the, <laughs> the costume designer really understood the assignment. I, I feel like these two episodes, I was really torn between if I would rather wear one of Volchek's tank tops or one of Sandy's sweaters. And I still can't reconcile which one I want to wear more. It's Sandy's sweaters. But hang on. I have two questions here. I do feel like she's upset about the Ryan breakup. I feel like that's another thing that's piled on. And I think that if her and Ryan had not broken up, then she would not be in this situation right now. She would at least have... I Like, the Ryan breakup has contributed to her loneliness. And I do feel like she is sad about it about it but i guess i don't I mean, know if she's I'll, sad I'll about she... being lonely or just a, or about ryan in particular that's a good question that i just asked I myself think she's, <laughs> i mean it, i think johnny has so much to do about this and johnny is why her and um volchek bonded in the first place true like ryan has just deleted johnny from the canon now he's like why is marissa upset it has to do with ryan Retconned. like it, you know what who <laughs> Oh, I am this Ryan. I thought you meant Ryan on the show. I was like, yes, either be either one of us. I'm down to delete Johnny from the canon for sure. Uh, also, I, as much as we all know that Gidget is incredibly hot, he's the hottest man easily on this show, mm-hmm. probably of that entire decade. Um, Still, grown up Oliver could give him a run for his money. I'm just Ooh, saying. Yeah, um, he looks like he smells like sandalwood. Yeah, uh, I don't, but I don't think the people on the show think that he's hot i think they kind of think that he's gross right yeah they they think i think summer describes him as like what dirty and greasy yeah, she, she says he's greasy i don't that's stupid though if they don't even acknowledge that he's really hot like obviously marissa would yeah. not if he looked like gus marissa wouldn't be going out with him hey i'm i'm not here for this gus slander he is a beautiful <laughs> confident man i'm not sh- totally sure if that's true i mean not about gus in particular but I think that she would. She's at a point now where she's just looking for anybody. Chelsea, what happens if you find a stray kitten outside and you're the one that gives it milk? Uh, well, no. But if it was you, like a really scary you. looking, if it was a terrifying looking cat, like did I you, think I'd be like, mm. did you mean this is? A totally different roundabout way that we've gotten to comparing Marissa to a cat on this podcast. <laughs> She's a cat, hundred percent. Okay, she, she lives, lives outside. outside. Do you know why she goes to the beach? Giant litter box. It's her super house. convenient for her. Wow. <clears throat> okay, so it's morning in the Cohen's house. Everyone's pretty chipper because everyone's getting laid. Uh, Kirsten's excited for a date with Sandy, but Sandy is not having it. He's down. The situation with Matt has him otherwise occupied. So Seth steps in and offers to be Kirsten's date because they, quote, never spend much time together, which is yet more proof that somehow Adam Brody is listening to this podcast in 2006 and listening to the points that we make. Um, back with Ryan and cousin, uh, the house flip mm-hmm. is going well. They flirt, they kiss. Uh, music that sounds a lot like Titanic theme music plays. Ryan leaves with a promise that they'll get together later that night. Seems like things are kind of on the rocks, uh, moving towards the iceberg, I suppose, if you want to keep the metaphor going. But um, 
That's kind of what's going on with Ryan and Cousin. But school's in session now, and there are a lot of different school scenes in this episode, and so we're going to be going back to school a lot. Summer is playing Pac-Man in the common area, which is still the coolest thing ever to have a Pac-Man machine at your school. Um, I feel like this is also the only location in at the high school that they show anymore in this show, but I mean, I'm fine with it. The big worry from both Summer and Marissa, though, is that it'll harsh Ryan's cousin Mellow, I guess you could call it, if he finds yeah. out about Gidget, um, which is kind of great because it looks like we found our B-plot of the episode, which lasts about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this is a very dialogue-heavy episode, too. Uh, not as many shots of Gidget without his shirt on. How did you all feel about this whole, we shouldn't tell Ryan about what's going on because will ruin his mood. Do you agree with Summer and Marissa's approach? I like, well, I will say I like good mood, Ryan. That was fun to have for an episode, but I didn't fully understand, like, we can't let him know that she's hooking up with Gidget because that's going to affect him in some way, which I don't, I just didn't understand that, I guess. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we all know that there's some squirrely stuff going on with Matt and Gotham Girl and the hospital and his partying. Um, so at, I have thoughts. So at work, Sandy has a frank conversation with Matt. And by frank conversation, I mean he just fires him immediately uh, with no preamble. Matt decides that he is going to lecture Sandy. Sandy accuses him of engaging in conspiracies. Matt goes full douche canoe by alluding to dirt that he has on Sandy. Um, I actually thought, on, you know, how they do the previously on and they showed all the stuff about Kirsten's drinking. I was convinced because I couldn't remember that the dirt he was going to bring up on Sandy was that his wife is now alcoholic um but the great thing about matt's kind of douchey threats is that it makes sandy realize that he did the right thing i've decided that matt is the zach of the adult storyline um especially when zach started to get a little bit uh malevolent he has total zach vibes you know he has zach energy but like we loved zach at the beginning and then zach kind of Zach broke bad a little broke bit bad. towards the end yeah <laughs> he did. but he i but matt i kind of i'm with chelsea on this i don't think matt has done anything matt's doing what's best for matt in this at this point which Mm -hmm. he's and he's not wrong like he's the one getting his ass beat just because he knows that everyone else he's working with is shady as fuck and he wants to exploit them and whistleblow to Mm -hmm. get what's his and sandy making that point of like well i know i made the right decision now it's like that was so douchey and so unnecessary and you know what else sandy said that pisses me off so much is he goes you're no angel either like do you know whenever we hear that word you're no angel it's like to try to justify something horrible happening to someone and like making you feel protected from it like that's such bullshit the the reason why that owner wanted Matt out is because of something that Sandy forced Matt into Mm -hmm. and now he's just the expendable one like Sandy is so the villain in this case and good for Matt for not just like taking it agreed okay so I just want to confirm that Chelsea is, is on team Matt right now and Ryan is mm-hmm. on team Matt right now and so this whole idea that I only side with with Ryan I'm going to tell you right now that I am team Sandy I think that Matt is being as I said in my pre-written summary a uh, a douche canoe so we'll just leave it wait at that. why though tell tell us why that's what I want to understand well it's all about the way he handled the situation. Like, I know what you're saying. I understand. No, I it's understand. not. It's He's... not about the way. It's the situation. The situ- You can't be like, well, Matt was totally right, but the way he handled himself makes, makes him wrong. Like, that. you can't say that. Well, 
I did. And I will tell you this. That's insane. I changed my mind by the end of the episode. I have a running tally of whose team I'm on. And by the end of it, I'm on team justice and reason, which includes both (laughs) Matt and Sandy. But um, speaking of justice and reason, which is a terrible segue, Summer, Marissa, Doc Ock, and Julie are popping champagne. The big news that they wanted to share, we kind of already knew and both the girls already knew. Their wedding bells. The gals aren't super happy, though. Luckily, Gidget and his massive hog are there to save the day. (laughs) I guess Marissa isn't trying to hide her relationship anymore because she stares Summer down like a dog taking a dump as she gets onto Gidget's massive hog and puts on a helmet, which is a good thing. This kind of threw me because I feel like she was trying to hide her relationship with Gidget up until this point. And then all of a sudden it's like, oops, I guess it's out in the open now. It was the, the weirdest part was whenever Summer goes, comes up to her later in a couple scenes from now and goes, well, I know about you and Volchek. And it's like, yeah, she knows. We all know that, you know, because you literally made eye contact with her while she was getting on his motorcycle. <laughs> Just stare at each other. Yeah. Um, so it's now time for the Seth and Kirsten date night. They went to a Yakuza movie. Uh, they had a pretty cute conversation about it. Kirsten reminisces about taking Seth to Fantasia, uh, which slaps. It's actually a pretty sweet scene. Kirsten keeps up with the metaphor and asks Seth for... For a second date, he agrees just in time for Summer to call to tell Seth about Marissa's, quote, slut spiral with, quote, the surf Nazi. That's so much that can cancel Summer right there. Um, So (laughs) she's so stressed about the Gidget situation that they lift the code of silence and they need Ryan. So as I was saying, this plan to not say anything to Ryan lasted all of five minutes. Um, speaking of Ryan, he's going full cousin and talking dirty and housing market metaphors. Seth knocks on the door of the pool house, which is locked for once because Ryan installed locks. Um, and there was always been a lock on that door. We know since season one when they got locked in the pool house. Oh, that is true. That's mm-hmm. oh, that's a continuity. Yeah, issue remember, he, he says he says uh, rats in a giant pool house. Mm. <laughs> so. So he the does door say is that, Chelsea, you are door, correct. That's a good one. So the door is <laughs> locked um, for once. They make one of those meta jokes like, you know, this is usually unlocked. I mean, that's not the joke, but you get it. Um, so Seth has nothing else to do but tell Ryan the news from outside. He tells Ryan about Marissa and Gidget. Uh, Ryan's boner instantly sucks back up into his body. Cousin leaves and Ryan's mm. chipper mood disappears. However... The next day at school, he takes a very stoic approach to the Marissa Gidget situation, saying she's not his girlfriend. It's her life. Interesting. I don't think this is going to last. We'll see. It's a good it's a good take, though. I was proud of Ryan in that moment. For being yeah. like, you know what? She does what she wants. She's her own person. Yeah. She's responsible for her own shit. Yeah, he just needs to maintain mm-hmm. altitude. But he's not going to be able to. Um, it's trailer talk time with Kirsten and Julie. Despite how bizarre the proposal is, uh, Kirsten is still happy for her friend. And as Julie is leaving, oh my gosh, we finally get another Gus sighting. This is like twice in the entire series. Not only is he peeing outside, but he tries to shake Kirsten's hand with the hand that he was peeing with. And then she refuses. And so he smells his hand and he shrugs, you know, just funny class warfare kind of stuff. It's great. Um, Back at school again, Ryan, who promised to play it cool, watches Marissa longingly through a glass door before confronting her at her locker about the fact she missed a test. Marissa's disheveled, drops her textbook, and drops a flask. Guys, she's back to her old ways. You can take the cat out of the outside, but you can't take the outside out of the cat. So, 
in adult world, Sandy confronts Hospital Jim. I don't remember his name, so I'm calling him Hospital Jim. About Matt's accusations. Hospital Jim, who didn't become a doctor to get rich. Wait, says, Hospital Jim? I don't know his name. I forgot his name, so I just call him oh, Hospital Griffin? Jim. Yeah, I'm going to say Hospital Jim. So um, Hospital Jim says he didn't become a doctor to get rich, which is a lie. Um, says that Matt's lying and that he'd sue him if the news that uh, Matt apparently has ever gets out, this 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 bombshell. He gives Sandy his word that it wasn't true. Uh, they shake hands, as adult men often do. And I find myself uh, still thinking about Gus's pee hand. Um I said there's a lot of school stuff in this episode, so we're back at school again. Summer happens upon Marissa getting plastered on the hood of her car. Uh, the quote-unquote... What was slu- she doing? She was just laying on the hood of her car for some reason? Yeah, just doing Marissa stuff, man. Um, it's her quote-unquote... Yeah, it's her quote-unquote slut spiral. It's in full effect. Summer, though, isn't here for the pity party, and she delivers the greatest line of the season. Quote, you're just the saddest girl in the whole whole world. Get over yourself. Take a shower. End quote. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you, Summer. Um, Marissa does get a jab in at Seth, calls him a little emo boyfriend, which I really like. I'm I'm a big fan of this this kind of sparring. I thought that Marissa could have been so much meaner about Seth. Like there oh, were so yeah. many other worse things she could have said about him, but yeah, yeah, it's true. Even death breath Seth would be worse than little emo boyfriend because <laughs> I feel like everyone wants to be a little emo boyfriend now. Um, back at the Newport group though, Matt has gone full Watergate. He's trespassing on the property and taking back his personal files. He and Sandy engage in some heavy and threatening banter. And then Matt uh, flips his hair. I think he does in my, in my heart. He does. He flips his hair on the way out claiming game on. Uh, I don't like okay. Matt still. I, okay, this is the this is the part where we always come to in this show where I need someone to explain this to me. So Matt is fired. Matt knows that Griffin has done some shady stuff, some vaguely shady things, taken kickbacks, whatever. I mean, I kind of know what that means, but like, and so he's gonna go to some authority and expose him, but and he needs files from the Newport Group that Sandy didn't want to give to him in order to do the exposure, <laughs> and. Is that what I'm, is that the story up to this point? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was confused. Like Matt's personal files are at the Newport Group, which is weird. But also, why would they keep files at the Newport Group that would um, incriminate their yeah, person? Yeah, like I, I don't, don't get that. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't make it sense. It seems like a screenshot of a conversation between Matt and Sandy and someone being like, oh, no, I don't want to get business this way. And the other one saying, yeah, let's do it would be a lot more encouraging, like maybe mm-hmm. anything to have on file. Yeah, they just I think they just wanted to go for the scene that you see in like every show where a guy is in a in an office with a flashlight after hours taking files. You never know what's in them, but you know, Which it's got to exactly be bad. what Ryan did to Oliver. Yeah, in the episode exactly. I watched yesterday. It was, it was the same everything. <laughs> the only thing different was the music. Um, but uh, don't worry. We leave the darkness of the Newport group and we return to the diner where Ryan and cousin are having an incredibly boring conversation about chili fries. They're doing that mm-hmm. thing where they're fake flirting. It's like when two uncreative people try to flirt and they just do a terrible job and we're getting to watch it. Luckily, though, some mm-hmm. of Gidget's friends show up and start talking about Marissa in a not very flattering light. Despite everything, <laughs> though. Cousin is the one who gets upset about it. She tells Ryan that they've been trying too hard to make the perfect night happen um, and that it'll just happen naturally. Ryan, though, he can't let it go. He can't just let bygones be bygones. So he goes back in and tells Hawk Nelson that he needs to deliver a message that there is going to be a duel beneath the pier and Gidget needs to be there. Kind of big greaser stuff. 
Man, Stay golden, Hawk, pony boy. Hawk Nelson. That's pretty good. Good job, hey. Dylan. Thank you. Um, so, so but, but hang on. So I forgot up to this point, I forgot that Sadie, sorry, I forgot that Cousin and Gidget <laughs> have a history. And that's yeah. why I think she was thrown by the whole thing. Yeah. 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 They, uh, they kind of hide the ball a little bit and make the uh, not very astute viewer, uh, also aka me, um, think that she's just getting upset because she's hearing about stuff about Ryan that she knows will make Ryan upset. It's a whole big thing. It just makes more sense that she has a history with him, too. Um, speaking of Gidget, he meets Ryan, as agreed. And surprise, surprise, Ryan doesn't actually try to throw hands. He, I guess... Ryan looks pathetic in this scene when he's like sitting under the pier with his hands in his pocket oh, yeah. all hunched over. He looks really sad. He looks like yeah, this scene was frustrating for me. I mean, it was a, it was kind of problematic, um, rather patriarchal, which I'm not looking I, after her anymore. Yeah, I mean, like I respect what Ryan was trying to do. Um, I think that this was the only chance that there was at moving Volchek to kind of do the right thing and be a better man. But that doesn't change that it was still kind of problematic. Yeah, he 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 commiserates. He tells Gidget about Marissa's drinking problem, which I don't really think is his to tell. Um, new Ryan, don't like him. As a Cara Devlin, you know, reminded us it's important to peg the patriarchy. So I'm not here for new Ryan. Um, we're going to move forward. We didn't get a Ryan Gidget fight, but it looks like we might get one between Summer and Marissa. So Doc Ock and Julie insist on having breakfast. Why do we call him Doc Ock? He I looks, don't know. He looks like Alfred Molina in Spider-Man 2. Chelsea, and, it's better to not ask. Why do we okay. call him Office Jim or whatever you called him? Whatever hospital, Jim. Hospital Jim. It's gym. dumb. It's dumb, okay, but we, we have, just have to deal with it. We have Cousin. Okay. We have Hospital Jim. No, this is <laughs> why it happens when you bring it up, Chelsea. Keep going, Dylan. So um, they insist on having breakfast as a family outside. Uh, the new sisters put on sunglasses, fight over food, trade not-so-subtle insults, and storm off not having eaten breakfast, which is one of my biggest pet peeves in movies and TV, when there's like this lavish spread of breakfast, and the main character just comes in and says, oh, coffee for me, and then leaves, and that breakfast just remains uneaten. I'll get off my soapbox. Well, that happened in the, this exact, like the previous scene, when they were at the diner, and they just ordered, I think, chili fries, and then she was like, well, we'll just get it to go, and then she walks out, and he walks out, and they didn't get it to go. Neither yeah. of them are yeah. They well, don't understand what to go Chili means. fries also don't travel well. Oh, man. That is that's true. A, Do you th- listen, you're right. That's that's a good point. <laughs> Chelsea brings the practical knowledge to this podcast. I bring the yeah. terrible nicknames, and Ryan endures us both. Um, mm-hmm. So back at the never-ending house flip, Ryan arrives to find some <laughs> dude named Bob doing handiwork. Cousin emerges from the bathroom, hair wet from sweating after a huge dump. Turns out <laughs> Bob the Builder... Stop. Turns out Bob the Builder wasn't there to replace Ryan. Bob the Builder is actually Bob the homeowner. Uh, this is good news because the house is getting sold and the flip will end. But this is also bad news because cousin now has no reason to stay in newport is this the end of our favorite chili fry loving couple looks like it might be guys um at the pier ryan breaks the news to seth over tacos seth brings up a point that i actually think is a pretty good point ryan is very keen on helping other people with their issues but never good about doing the right thing for himself so seth pretty much says ryan's got to ask cousin to stay in the port 
Meanwhile, somewhere else on the pier, I swear to you, the camera work would have us believe this is happening under the taco bar. Uh, Sandy and Hospital Jim are seated by the water. Sandy's a bit worried that Matt is going to be able to prove his claims. Hospital Jim tells Sandy uh, that he's done too much already and that he's going to take over. Sandy thinks it sounds ominous. I agree. It kind of sounds like uh, something that a guy who has people beat other people up uh, would say. And turns out we're vindicated a little bit later. Um, but before we get to that fun stuff, we have some more sister fights. Turns out Marissa is skipping family dinner. Summer is irked. Uh, Marissa can be as rude as she wants to Summer, but Summer thinks it's rude to drag the family into it, which is actually a pretty adult take uh, from Summer. Marissa, though, makes good on her promise, doesn't show up for dinner. Summer, though, is doing such a great job of keeping everything afloat and not making Julie feel like garbage. So pluses for Summer all around. Yeah, so um, that conversation that Neil has with her, with Julie, I think is just horrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Like, God, that, like, what an awful feeling. Yeah. Turns out Marissa skipped dinner for a great reason. I'm just kidding. It wasn't. She went to Sad Beach with Gidget. He is looking so fine in a leather jacket. Uh, We get some amazing backstory that I know Ryan has some stuff to say about. The last time Marissa and Summer fought, it was over Luke. Mm-hmm. It turns out Summer and Luke were engaged in the second grade. So Summer was mad when Marissa sat with him on the bus. Um, Gidget tells her she deserves to be treated right. And for a second, you're like, man, Gidget's actually kind of a nice guy. But then Marissa says if she deserves to be treated right, she wouldn't be dating him. That turns him on. They kiss. And then he tries to get her to do cocaine. So it's literally just like like a 10 second flip where he's like, you deserve to be treated right. From that to, hey, you want to do a bump? Like, that is such a quick, quick, quick flip. Yeah, I have mixed feelings, though. Like, I mean, at least Marissa's not, like, trying to fix him or anything like that. Like, she sees the reality of the situation. Yeah. No, I love that line where she's like, if I wanted to be treated right, I wouldn't be with you, which was, like, pretty telling as to where her yeah. mind it's is like at. An, it's like an insult to him. Oh, yeah. As well as, like, she is perceptive obviously i think he would but i think his little flip there came from ryan got into his head a little bit about marissa maybe needs help or needs to be taken care of on some level and so he Mm -hmm. tried that and he brought it up and once she assured him that that wasn't the case he's like cool i can just be my normal self and here's some cocaine yeah i love he's always he's always ready and he's always prepared um, back with Seth and Kirsten, it's time for their second date. And the second date is to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Seth has literally the dumbest and worst reaction possible. Um, he tries to storm out, acts like a total prick, and makes this whole thing about him. Like, mm-hmm. literally the worst possible reaction that you could have when Seth someone... Seth is horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seth is awful in this moment. Yeah, Kir- I mean, he's awful a lot of the show, but in this one particular... This one really offended me. Yeah, Kirsten basically begs him to stay, and he decides not to be a tool, and does. But, like... No, he, he makes it more of a tool. Yeah, he makes it about him mm-hmm. in, like, legitimately the worst possible way, where he's like, by being there, he is having to relive it... It being having to have an intervention for his... It's just so stupid. It's awful. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about it. And Matt. yet, and yet, once again, he gets credit for her being sober. Yes. Yeah. We'll, which is and, infuriating. And we'll, yeah, we'll so get, stupid. We'll get to that because I have thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. Beforehand, Matt 
arrives back at his uh, sex pad. He has two voicemails waiting for him when he gets home. The first is from a reporter who's interested in the dirt Matt has on Hospital Gym, I assume. The second is from Sandy. He wants to talk. I don't think that Matt is really interested in calling Sandy back, but guess what? There's a knock at the door, and some toughs beat the living crap out of Matt and trash his apartment like children. Looks like Hospital Jim handles things a little bit differently than Sandy does. Worse than children, they trash it like, um, I mean, they, they are straight up mobsters. It reminded oh, yeah. me of that scene in uh, Step Brothers where they're trashing the kitchen when they're sleepwalking, except it was mobsters and they were awake. So... That's what's going on. Um, did you guys kind of assume it was Hospital Jim that was doing all this stuff? Are we well, supposed? Well, obviously, to... wasn't Sandy. Yeah. Like, right. we're, suppo- it's we're supposed. We're supposed to be. Yeah, it's, not, Hosp- it's Hospital I, I Jim. This is my least favorite nickname. Of well, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. Okay, we'll call him. Uh, we'll call him Peter Griffin. Then there His we go. His name is Griffin. So Ryan shows up. Uh, to cousin or I guess Bob the Builder's house with flowers. Uh, turns out cousin ditched him. She left for Oregon without saying goodbye. What a waste of flowers. Ryan goes to Sulk in the best place he knows. Lifeguard stand 49. Marissa sad sees him. Beach. Yeah, Sad Beach. Capital Sad Beach. It's like the Vatican on Sad Beach. Ryan tells her everything that happened with cousin. Marissa leaves and tells him to enjoy uh, Lifeguard stand 49. And now... My friends, my favorite opening line of any transition in this entire show. I've pissed in the streets, eaten out of garbage, and accidentally shot my wife. That is the greatest and most abrupt scene change in the entire series. And with that, we are back at the AA meeting. Kirsten gets called up to the front. Turns out she's getting her chip for being nine months sober. She tells everyone that Seth is the reason she got sober and that it was Mm -hmm. the look on his face at her intervention and his belief that she could do it. That's what pushed her through. I honestly hope Seth feels terrible because that's a really big deal for Kirsten. It's a big deal. Even if you're sober for one day, she brought him there for nine months to celebrate nine months of sobriety. And just to just like to reiterate his look was just saying, you got, he was like, you got to do this. That was it. That was all that he said to her. But I guess that's what she needed. Um, I'm never going to act like I understand mothers and sons. Um, But Ryan, Chelsea, how'd you feel about uh, the startling revelation that that's why Seth uh, was invited to AA? I mean, we've talked, I think we talked literally just last week about how Kirsten's role most of the season has just been appearing whenever someone needs good advice or whenever Sandy needs someone to tell her what to do. She's like the voice of reason and that's it. Like this, this episode in this scene, and maybe I'm, and maybe I'm letting the show off the hook for not having anything good for her, but I thought that it was really good to just, it made me think that, oh yeah, she hasn't had a lot going on because she's like very focused on this giant thing that's happening in her life and being sober. And I'm sure that takes up a lot of her mental capacity so there's not a lot yeah. of room for her to be doing a lot of other things right now so it's okay the only thing that kind of bugged me is like you know that that one guy had kind of that funny story um the i, I don't guy know shooting I, his wife yeah and i i can see both sides of the coin i can see where they were like okay this we don't want this uh scene to be too serious or morbid so we kind of want this funny guy to say a funny story but then again seth was like oh you can now be as normal as he is and i just thought that seth was horrible still yeah 
Also, I sent you guys a screenshot last week of a, of a fan forum that I discovered from like 2006, an OC fan forum. It's so good, dude. And they were talking specifically about the the Matt Sandy storyline, which is what I was looking for. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to do the work, guys. <laughs> but one of the comments on that fan forum in 2006 was something along the lines of like, does anyone even like Seth anymore? He seems like terrible and irredeemable this season. And I'm just glad that Love people it. in 06 recognize yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. In a bizarre turn of events, Marissa heads to the Greyhound station to confront Cousin. She tells her that Ryan really cares about her and that she shouldn't leave. Turns out Marissa, like all of us, just wants Ryan to be happy. However, unhappiness abounds back at Julie's new digs. Doc Ock, who I just sent you a picture of, tells her the engagement is a trial for them as a couple, as well as the girls. If the families aren't a good fit, they won't get married. That's somehow equally super wise and super cruel. Summer overhears and walks in to reassure Julie, but Julie knows it's out of her hands. If things work out, it's all about Marissa and whether or not Marissa is going to actually make an effort, and it doesn't sound like she's going to. Um, Sandy arrives at Matt's apartment to find Matt and the apartment in shambles. He is distraught, understandably. Maybe hospital, excuse me, maybe Peter Griffin isn't a great guy. Jumping to the pool house, cousin is waiting therein and greets Ryan when he arrives. She tries to leave again before Ryan, quote, convinces her to stay with his dong. It looks like she needs to get a refund on those Greyhound tickets, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, there's a quick cut to Sad Beach, where Marissa rewards herself for a good deed by doing coke for the first time. This show rules, and that is the end of this <laughs> wonderful episode. I hate Dylan recaps. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known when I told you not to call him whatever you called him, you would call him something dumber and worse, which is yeah. just stupid. Yeah. Uh, also, Alfred Molina does not look like Dr. Roberts. 100%. Really, really at all, and does not at all justify you calling him that this entire Everyone, season. Everyone, look up a picture of Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2, and then look at Neil. Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2, and tell me that I'm wrong. Please. No one tells me There's I'm wrong multiple, enough. It's not the Spider-Man, because there are multiple, several franchises, so Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Man 2. Um, I don't love the ending of this episode with the, it's a it's classic OC bullshit where it's like Sadie's leaving oh she's back oh, she's gonna leave again oh nope she's staying and then the next episode she fucking leaves like come on I just I can't she's vacillating with staying in Newport just like Johnny vacillated by the Gatorade like we talked about last week they're vacillating family Chekhov's Gatorade Chekhov's um, Gatorade yeah Living so line. that's how we leave the episode we leave the episode with uh, Ryan and Sadie are I guess back together Marissa's doing cocaine and you know all the other stuff Matt got his ass beat. So great. I love that. That made me so happy. All right. Chelsea, you have any thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I'm really excited to get to this next episode because this next episode is so, uh, I guess, instead of heavy source material, it's much lighter and more like high school appropriate. All right. That'll get us into episode number 20 to zero, guys. Holy shit. We're cruising. Dang. Yeah. The day after tomorrow. <laughs> Shitty movie. Pretty good OC episode. <laughs> the day after tomorrow features Sandy Cohen on screen for seven minutes and 41 seconds. His time's coming back up a little bit. Dylan, tell me more about the day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow was actually April 6th, uh, 2006. Uh, something very depressing is apparently the apocalypse already happened because 5.06 million people watched this. So we lost like 44 
thousand people. It's not a good deal. Four hundred forty. Uh, Leela Gerstein. I don't know how to do math. You know that. I uh, Leela Gerstein wrote it, and I think this is the second episode of hers that we've watched because I mispronounced her name the first time. Um, but I want to talk about it. So I'll do the same thing. I'll do the same thing I tried last week. Ten questions, but I'll start with a with a with a long paragraph here to describe what happens in this episode when college acceptance and rejection letters are received the kids must consider what path they're going to follow summer's accepted to brown university whereas seth is not not wanting to hold back summer from such a grand opportunity seth lies by telling summer and everyone else that he did get accepted into brown and begins to treat summer badly I would say that's an understatement. Ryan and cousin try to decide what Ryan will do after high school when he's accepted into Berkeley. Marissa is also accepted in Berkeley, but does not know if she wants to leave Newport. Meanwhile, Sandy tries to resolve the conflict between the unscrupulous and mob-connected Henry Griffin (laughs) and the hotshot Matt, where Griffin tries to bribe Sandy into not filing charges against him. I didn't know that's what the story was until this just spelled it out for me. Accepted accepted to a college in France. I also did not know that. Accepted to a college in France, a joyful Taylor Townsend holds a college acceptance bonfire party where Summer and Marissa try to fix their friendship problems and Cousin decides not to move to Berkeley with Ryan after seeing that it will hold him back and she leaves for Portland for good. You know what? There's a lot happening in that paragraph that I did not know. I didn't know that Taylor was going to France for college. Did is that? Yeah, something? she got a Sorbonne sweater on. All right, my first question. I'm doing ten questions here. My first question: Why do you guys think, if you had to describe it yourself, why do you think Seth lied? But also, did all of these kids just apply to one college? Yeah, that's what. Okay, that's frustrating. No one had a backup. Like I feel like the backup is always a part of college canon. Whenever you, uh, w- like, whenever books or TV shows or movies talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, like, us all, oftentimes acceptance letters kind of roll in slowly. They don't all go out on the same date the way that med school is. Um, so that was kind of interesting to me. I don't know, because the, uh, the other problematic thing about them not applying to backup schools is, like, specifically with, with you know, Ryan, or not Ryan, with Seth and Summer, they just shot for the Ivy League and were like, nah, it'll be fine. Like... I feel like Summer should have at least applied. Didn't she say she wanted to go to Arizona? I think. Yeah. She, like party school. At least, at least that would be like her fallback. But yeah, I I don't know why they only applied to one school. I didn't. My question is why did Seth lie? I want to rephrase this and just say that the show and that even that recap I just read from the OC wiki makes it seem like Seth is doing a noble thing by like, oh, well, I don't want Summer to miss out on this great opportunity to go to Brown. So I'm going to lie. So she'll go and be shitty to her. So she'll go without me. I personally think that Seth just did not want people to know that he didn't get in because it's embarrassing and he wants to be better than everyone. And he didn't want it. He didn't want to tell people that. Yeah. It made me so mad because he was like, well, I don't want to tell Summer because she won't go without me. Like that's such bullshit. And Ryan and Ryan had a really good line where because like at the beginning, I kind of understand it again, remembering that Seth is a teenage boy. Like I get the idea where he's like, as as Ryan said, he would be embarrassed to tell people that he didn't get the brown note or that he did. And it wasn't a good one. See, I worked it in organically. But I think it's still somewhat justifiable why he wouldn't say it right at the outset. But then once Ryan Atwood sat him down and said, that's Summer's decision to make. Like, I get that you're trying to be noble and all this, but it's really Summer's decision to make whether or not she is going to continue to move forward and go to Brown. And at that point, Seth kind of had an out 
if you will. Like he had a way mm-hmm. to redeem his character. But then as we know, by the end, he doubles down and comes up with a different lie that's somehow worse by saying, I just don't want to go now. Translation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess based on the next episode description, he literally breaks up with Summer rather than tell her the truth. That's extreme. Yeah. I mean, it's it, again, it's she's supposed to and she uh, well actually we'll get into it we'll get into it in the, later in these questions question number two where does Vol- where does gidget live how do you okay how does he pay for things because we know that he needs marissa to give him beer money how the fuck is he living in this grandiose like loft apartment kind of type of warehouse thing with weird like red chinese walls yeah it was bizarre i forgot that he lived in this weird place it literally looks like a level from tony hawk's pro skater i put i actually had a note specifically for gidget's digs and i said uh does Gidget live on the set of an 80s music video and I think that's what it is it's an old rundown warehouse where they filmed Michael Jackson's bad music video but it's kind of cool though like he has like a mattress on the ground like a basically a homeless guy but you know Marissa, <laughs> yeah, like, like Marissa really cool also homeless guy. Marissa also homeless so it's a match made in heaven no, she's uh, not homeless yeah, she sure. the world is her home that's true okay and my other my other follow-up to that is is he always because we know that he has some sort of construction job that we saw last week but is he also just always partying with quote some of the guys because at least three times in these two episodes he says something to marissa that starts with well some of the guys are going to go party that this play that happens three times in these two episodes all gidget does is party and he kind of has a construction job and yet he lives in this place yes 100%. how do you party that much i've never partied that much i've been to, well, i've partied like four or five days at a time at a music festival but i can't do it every day shout out well, to we gidget. have friends we have friends like freaking skateboard joe and hawk nelson and and the rest of the the motley crew of grease beetles i feel like you have to do that i also think with regard to his construction job his i mean i don't know anything about construction jobs but it's not like a regular nine to five thing you work when there's a job and so maybe he was between jobs and just you know wanting to rage in the cage a little bit question number three uh, we see Sandy meeting up with Griffin. I will call him Griffin because that's his name. Um, we see Sandy meeting Hospital up with Griffin. Gym. He kind of says, like, you know, hey, did you do this thing to Matt? And he's like, I sure did. And he's like, well, you better and didn't. And he's like, I didn't. <laughs> and he's like, I think you did. So I want you to resign from the hospital i didn't understand can he build the hospital without him is it griffin the man in charge of giving him the hospital but now sandy wants him to resign i don't even know dude that this is this is kind of the question that i had because at first so we had we had the bald guy the churro we had churro man who was the first guy and we thought he was in charge he wasn't a doctor though i don't (laughs) think he was a doctor and then following churro man we're introduced to hospital jim is actually his christian name so i'm going to call him by his christian name But Ah. Hospital Jim makes it very clear that he's a doctor. And Mm -hmm. I thought that maybe he was just someone on the board, not necessarily like the guy in charge. And so it's interesting because much like Sandy could have just said, hey, Matt, I don't want you on this project, but we have other projects to work on. No, Griffin. No, that's not true. Griffin told him Matt needed to be gone from the company. Oh, I thought he just said, take him off the no, project. No, we went over this last week. He told Sandy he listening. didn't want him involved. Well, I mean, they make it clear the hospital Jim is just that. He's on the hospital board. He's Jim and he's on the board. And so there are obviously other board members. And so if you, you know, if you get him off the board, if you get him out of the situation, then there's no reason why the plan couldn't still move forward. But again, I, I don't know anything about this hospital board because no one is telling me in this show anything other than the information that they want me to know. This entire this storyline is so convoluted, and I can't, I feel like I'm a smart person, and I cannot follow it, even a little bit. Uh, question yeah. number four, is Neil overreaching? 
by we kind of touched on in the previous episode in this episode he goes from in the middle of the episode telling julie you know if you can't get your daughter under control we're not going to be able to have a happy marriage basically is what he says to her and julie does kind of i think the right thing and basically says fuck off i don't care i'm worried about my daughter i'm not going to be stressed out about this weird proposal okay this is what i was confused this is what i was confused about then so brian you'll have to edit it out because i thought that this conversation was in the um episode before it kind of it kind of comes up in the previous episode as well like it's in both of these episodes yeah he says like this is a trial or something i forget which episode he said that in but he was like you know this is a trial run if our daughters don't get along then it's not going to work out but it's like okay neil like you, you marissa and summer have been friends since they were little kids like surely a tiff is not like something that's gonna last for a long time a and b it was i just didn't like how he was being like passive aggressive he was like oh marissa's friend on a motorcycle and you know he says something like oh we both know she didn't stay here overnight like i don't appreciate him being so passive aggressive Uh, two things one one is that uh in classic OC fashion, once again, this happened. You you were not wrong for bringing it up in the previous episode because it happened in both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Just like when they tried to get him, just like Julie's plan to get him in the first place involved him joining New Match two different times in two different episodes over a three episode span. Two different times in a two episode yes. span, he brings up to Julie like their marriage might not work if their daughters are not under control or whatever the fuck that means. But then by the end of the episode, he inexplicably just says, "Oh, sorry if I sorry if you thought I was putting pressure on you. You're doing great. Mm. That's fine." Then that's the end of but it. But that's exactly what he was doing. Like, sorry if you thought. Like, yeah, we read <laughs> your the meaning of your sentences. Like, stupid. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I think that he absolutely was overreaching. To directly answer the question, he was overreaching because this whole garbage uh, approach to an engage, you know, our engagement, this proposal and this engagement, that's a test. That's not how it works. Dating is the test. And then if they pass the test, then you propose. That's how it works. Because what he's doing is he's just getting Julie's expectations up for no reason and then saying, oh, by the way, if you screw this up, you're back in the trailer. I think that's yeah. messed up. Ugh. There's a reason Doc Ock is a villain, and this is why. I agree. So the overreaching was more about, because I think the on, the difference between last episode and this episode was last episode, it was more about holding up the marriage, like kind of holding it hostage. This episode was basically him just saying, Julie, you need to be a better parent to your daughter. And I was like, that's not okay. Anyway, I don't like yeah. Neil. I think I brought this up multiple times now, and I've come to the conclusion, I just don't like him. I don't think he's that good a character. He's bland and boring. He makes dumb facial expressions. And I'm just not into him. I agree. He is kind of boring. And it's frustrating because in the beginning, I think that he was actually really interesting whenever he first came on. Like, he was being very charming. Like, he was giving Julie these compliments and was being, like, very supportive to Marissa. And I think they could have leaned heavy on that and just made him, like, a really great human being and like that's why summer is such an amazing human being because she's had the support of this amazing dad Mm -hmm. to look up to and they kind of just drop the ball on that all right question number five on a scale of one to ten how much are ryan and sadie in over their heads when they're trying to move to berkeley and that was the most go ahead well follow-up question have they ever had a good date and i think i've alluded to it a couple times now Every time they have moments together, it is ruined by... In the previous episode, it was Jess, right? Jess kept popping up and ruining their dates. Ryan would ditch her and not show up to a date. In this episode, or in the previous episode, um, it was uh, the guys at the diner. And like that, she like ruined the vibe. They, by the way, in that scene, she says to him, 
I have big news. And then she he immediately ignores her and goes and they leave. And she's like, by the way, you didn't ask me about my big news yesterday. And I was like, how did this not come up? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, it happens again. They're going out to dinner with the Coens. The Coens are a little awkward. Sandy and Kirsten are a little kind of taken aback by their plan to move to Berkeley together. And Sandy oh, just yeah. gets up and leaves. She's like, I think I should just go. And I'm like, have they ever had a good date? together that's it's rude and stressful i think that in over their heads it's a 10 but um you know they're 17 without a purpose or direction and <laughs> they they don't have any one explanation so so that that's all i'm god saying. damn it dylan i'm so upset that you work that into this i'm so <laughs> mad that you put you turn blink 182 lyrics into a very good point about this show yes 10. I so okay. My my thoughts are that this was the most cringe things happened on this show, and a very 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 long line of cringy storylines. But this was the worst. Like, what the fuck was Ryan thinking? Yeah, it's very un Ryan. Like, it's, it's a you want to ask someone to move with you? You want to bring sand to the beach of college? <laughs> You've known this girl for like. A couple weeks. That's that was bad. my next question. I do not How? understand. Sorry, go ahead. I just don't understand anything about like whose idea this was, how this came to be, like why he thought this was like. I mean, okay, but the other thing I guess we got to decide is like obviously all of us at eighteen, if we were to just go in and shack up with someone, that would be like a really big advanced step for to do that at eighteen. But I guess that Ryan has already played house for a season in his life with Teresa, <laughs> mm-hmm. so maybe he doesn't think of it as being so like. <gasps> The way that we do. My, the, another question I had about this was how long, if we had to guess, how long in in the canon of the show, how long do we think they've known each other? I think it's less than like, a month, right? A I think mo- yeah, I was going to guess a month. Yeah. I think it has to be a month because I'm trying to think of what's going on at school and like the, yeah, it's it has to be a month. And another thing that kind of ties into the last question too is I want you to know that I had a note and it was... Oh my God! What is cousin's job? Is it hanging jewelry? And then she, out of nowhere, out mm-hmm. of nowhere, she tells us, "Oh no, I have a jewelry making business." No, we knew that. And it's oh, I thought yeah, she because remember she, she made makes the necklace for John. She made Johnny's necklace for Marissa. <laughs> That's right. I blocked out so much of that Johnny stuff that I forgot. God, like, Dylan's really channeling Ch- Chelsea this week and just forgetting things we've talked about already. That's what that's well, what happens. Like, so I guess she makes jewel- she hand makes jewelry and she sells it on Etsy or something. Like, how much can this actually be making? But as I said, like, she invented like, Etsy in 2006, basically. Yeah. And he, like, you know, Ryan, like, wanders in the house and she's like, oh, I'm done with my jewelry for today. And, like, literally, it's just, like, a few pieces of jewelry on, like, one she, Yeah, she says, I'm done with work. That's her line. She, she, like, she put the necklace or whatever <laughs> on the little, on the weird velvet arm and goes, I'm done. It's like, I wish that, that that's, like, such a great job. All right, question number six. This is a big one. Ugh. Why does Summer keep putting up with Seth's bullshit? His total bullshit. Why it's so frustrating. Does, this is a question we've asked since season one. What is it? Mm-hmm. Because in particular, I asked this question during the scene where she's in the car with him, he's dropping her off, and she says, you know, what What Ryan and Sandy are doing is romantic because would you find the person you were in love with and want to be with for the rest of your life, you do whatever you can to be with them. And she and Seth goes, yeah, I guess. Who does that? By Who knows that by 18? And she's like, um, I know that. And she goes, oh, but you don't. And she runs out of the car crying. And this is the beginning of me feeling terrible for Summer. And she still gives him another chance later on the beach when he 
inexplicably, like Dylan says, doubles down on his big lie (laughs) and says, you know, I just don't think Brown is right for me. And I want you to go, but I don't want to go there anymore. So we're basically breaking up with her. He breaks up with her instead of just telling her, hey, I didn't get into Brown, which would be admitting that she's smarter than him, which he would rather break up with her than do. But for some reason, Summer puts up with his bullshit over and over and over again, and no one can explain this to me. So, I have two answers. Um, One is an answer from Shakespeare in Sonnet 116. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds. So, answer number one is that they love each other and they'll go through everything. Answer two, no, which they is, don't love each other. She loves him. He is an asshole. Okay, then that that's more like answer two. And answer Seth two is Seth loves Seth more than Seth loves Summer. Oh, absolutely. Answer two is I feel like they're they're getting to the point in the series where they've been together for like at least what a year, maybe more, like a year and way a half. More than that. Oh, you mean steadily. Yeah, steadily. Uh, I, since, I feel like yeah, since Zach left, I feel like two things. I feel like one, they're getting to a point where they're they're just getting so used to one another that Summer and and Seth too, to an extent, are getting in that that relationship zone where they have the blinders on and they they might realize that there's something better out there, but they're already so committed to the relationship that you know they don't don't want to do anything. But also, also, I feel like with Summer, there's a lot of pressure because of everything they've been through that she doesn't want to like throw in the towel over something that she doesn't think is super serious um and seth is just being a douche but that is super serious to think how do you say that's not super serious for him to sit in the car and her to realize oh seth doesn't think of me as his forever person you don't think that's super serious oh i mean two two things one i do think it's super serious and i think the episode ended the right way and i think that summer should have done something as seth didn't and two i hate it whenever people refer to someone as their forever person or their forever wedding date it's like the worst thing in the world um i just wanted to point that out like that forever person forever wedding date i love you more than you'll know those are those are garbage phrases that need to be shot into the sun. Person is not bad. You're telling someone that you're the person I want to be with forever. Yeah, just say that. Don't say you're. It's like it's like when someone says she's my lobster or he's my lobster. I don't. Dis- like, I no, don't agree with any of this, Dylan. I think he's you're your wrong. boyfriend. I don't, I don't he's think not your wrong. lobster. I don't think they're comparable. I think you're wrong. Anyway, uh, I, summer you're my is <laughs> shut the fuck. I want to eat you. Uh, summer is just inexplicably tied to Seth in ways that I don't get. He, No one has ever fucked up more and been able to continue having a good relationship than Seth Cohen, so good for him. I mean, I'm still on the podcast. You're not as bad as Seth, I'll give you that. Yes! Fishing for compliments and got one. Okay, question seven. Up to this point, without knowing what we know about anything in the future, up to this point, if you were a fresh new viewer of the show and you'd only watched up to this episode, there's a scene in this episode where, uh, so Marissa gets accepted to Berkeley. She throws her acceptance letter in the trash. Um, Neil finds it, presents it to Julie, and that's when he says to her basically like, hey, get your shit together with your daughter, which is unfair to Julie, as we've discussed. Um, And Julie has a scene with Marissa where she basically tells her like, hey... I want this for you badly. Like, this is what's good for you. It basically is really good. She's a great mother to Marissa in that scene. But my question is, up to this point, in the overarching in the overarching entirety of this series, is Julie a good mom? I think that she, um, you know, like when Marissa overdoses, obviously she's going to extremes. And we know that her extreme measures are tinged by her wanting to get Marissa away from Ryan. But also, Marissa tried to kill herself. So wanting to send your daughter to a safe facility after they try to kill themselves really isn't 
ridiculous thing to want to do to keep them safe. We did it, we did in season one say that Julie was very wrong for instead of wanting to deal with Marissa's stuff, just ship her off to someone else and have them deal with Marissa's stuff. I think that it's obvious that she loves Marissa. I think that she was too far driven by image during a lot of the series, but I think that, I mean, just the whole transformation of her getting sent to the trailer park um, has really kind of mellowed her out. Um, I think that Julie was a pretty good mom season two also. Um, her big slip up being, you know, trying to blame Ryan for shooting Trey instead of her. But if you took that out of the equation, I think that she's been a pretty good mom. So better. Well, first of all, let me remind you that she also hooked up with her ex-boyfriend, Luke, for multiple times. Oh, God, I forgot. <laughs> I blocked that out. Oh, also, do, hang on. I just want to. I would, if I could re, maybe rephrase the question a little bit based on what we just said about Seth, how Seth loves Seth more than he loves Summer. I think for a long time we've thought that Julie loves Julie more than Julie loves Marissa, right? Yeah, I think this is going to make either no sense or some sense. Great. I think that Julie, I think Julie is a good mother, but she's not a good mom. I feel God like damn it, she. Ellen. I feel like, <laughs> I feel, no, 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 like, I feel like Julie truly does have Marissa's best interests at heart. It just so happens that some of those best interests also kind of, you know, cross the streams with her own best interests. She said she's not a good person. She's a good mom. She's not a good person because she's That's willing better. to throw anyone under the bus to, including Ryan, for shooting his own brother for yes to make sure Marissa's not going to jail yes and so that's kind of final answer question number eight did Sadie really expect the two of them to live in an artist co-op in Berkeley and why do we think that Ryan because when they break up uh, at the end of this episode at the bonfire Ryan didn't seem like he wanted to break up with her like it seemed like he still kind of wanted them to be together right yeah, yeah. yes yes or no question then we'll get into it yeah I, I think that Ryan did still want them to be together I thought that cousin kind of gave him an out a little bit when she said mm-hmm. I found this great artist commune that I can live in in Berkeley no she or, said they were going to live in it together they, the two yeah, of them or were we can live there. but she said or we can live there together and so she kind of gave him an out um, well, so my bigger, I, I guess my bigger question here was, it seemed like he still wanted them to be together. Why did he not give her the yellow sweater that Kirsten and Sandy gave him to give to her for the party? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good question. I did. They give it to give, give to her. Like he I literally I said, we thought Sadie, we thought Sadie could wear this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. But Ryan didn't I, give it to her. I, I don't know if this is the best place to posit this theory, but my mind exploded when I was watching this episode. I have a theory about Cousin. Okay. What? I think Cousin lives in the water. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we just fast forward through this like whole thing? Lady in the water? Because she walked away <laughs> towards the water from him, and we know she's going to Portland, which is also by the sea. <laughs> cousin lives in the water. It's canon now. She went out there to retrieve Johnny's surfboard that they just threw out into the water at his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Magical powers. Okay. I teased this earlier. It's a professional tease. This is maybe the hardest question I will ever ask you guys on this show. Question oh, number baby. nine. Are Summer and Taylor the greatest characters in the history of this show? What about Sandy? And what about Luke? And I want you to rank the four of them one through four. Oh. Ooh, that's so hard. I feel like Luke is an obvious number four because just because he's lack of screen time. Sandy, Taylor, Summer, Luke. I can defend my position. Sandy, Taylor, Summer, Luke. Why Summer number three? So Summer number three because... First season Summer was a little questionable. Yeah, I feel like... So Summer and Taylor, they're very close. Do you so think, do you think first cl- season Summer is worse than third season Sandy? Hmm. Third no. season Sandy's worse. No, no. I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's worse because... Because... 
he wouldn't be as bad if he hadn't already been so good that we established kind of that that this is like that this is where the line is sandy we wouldn't have the as bad as he is sandy if we hadn't first had the good sandy whereas with summer it's the opposite we see her at her worst and then we see her improve with set well, but with, summer was a child like right. sandy also the stakes of sandy shitty summer are significantly yeah, so much lower the reason i asked this question and i'll get your ranking in a second chelsea the reason i asked this mm-hmm. question is because there were two scenes in this episode that really made me like fucking re-fall in love with Summer all over again. And it was when Mm -hmm. Seth discovered she had that like collage in her room that she had been working on clearly Mm -hmm. about how much she fucking loved Seth. I know. And then when she gives Marissa the Berkeley sweatshirt by saying like, I bought this months ago because hey, someone here believes in you. That was so Mm -hmm. sweet. I was like, Summer is the best. I fucking love Summer. Um, Anyway, Chelsea, what what, get ranked? Summer's emotionally mature um uh, well beyond her years she's stable she's um conf- well it she was confident until cohen fucking oh so annoying so we're going we're going from good to bad correct yeah number one in is the ranking best. uh definitely luke then taylor then summer then sandy you think luke is the best yeah wow, wow. i love luke yeah but he hooked yeah, up with bruce's I, mom yeah i know but and- he was a child Wow. And he was feeling lonely. He had like, he had, he had shit going on. I think that of all those people who I would actually be friends with, um, honestly, I'd probably be the best friends with Luke out of all those people. I think I'd be the best friends with Sandy. I think I, I I think I would probably be the best friends with Sandy too. I think I think Taylor would drive Taylor would one hundred percent drive me nuts in real life. Uh, no. And um, Summer, I feel like we would be friends, but. I don't think that either of us have enough time to like devote to each other to be like best friends. So we'd be in the same social circle, but Luke would be someone that I'd be like, okay, let's go grab a drink. I think Summer would bully me. She probably, <laughs> my ranking, I think I think Summer is the best character. I think Summer's one. Summer, Sandy, Taylor, Luke, or Summer, Sandy, Luke, Taylor, I think. Would be what? Taylor's my you... favorite. Taylor's my favorite. There's a difference between favorite and best. Okay. Summer, Taylor okay. is my well, favorite. I was going with, I was going I, with favorite. I was going with favorite too. If I'm going with yeah. best character, I think I'd have to put Summer at one. Mm-hmm. I'd put Sandy at two, Luke at three, Taylor at four. Okay. I think. If I'm going for, for best. Yeah. I, I actually didn't think about this until just now. You almost have a similar kind of arc for Taylor and Luke. Like they're both they start shitty around and they get better. Roughly, yeah, roughly same period of time. But no, summer, I, uh, no, Taylor's around a lot longer than Luke. Also, this is this is super annoying, and feel free to cut this out. But I just I have to ask since we talked about the the mood board or the the college mm-hmm. uh, life board, I was so confused by the timing of Seth going in and discovering that. So like he's going into Summer's house in her room to discover. You no, know, I thought the same thing because in the next scene is Summer going into her room and she sees yeah, and Marissa. presumably Marissa has been there the whole time. Yeah, and I thought that too. I don't know. It can it's be, it's weird. I I really liked that collage, um, just as a a tool it, where they could show Seth reminisce without having like a cheesy montage, but they could show him absorbing that vision board that summer made and see him reflect on the times that they've had together so i thought that was kind of cool but yet he still made the decision to break up with her after seeing that he's horrible um fuck him similarly this was not on my list of questions but since we're here i think we may have talked about this last week and if we did we don't have to do it again but um now that sadie's gone their relationship is over we never see her again who do we feel so basically the same thing ranking ryan's girlfriends between sadie Lindsay, marissa and Teresa. Who do we think is the best with Ryan? 
Sadie is the best with Ryan, mm-hmm. followed by Lindsay. I think. Okay. I think he and I think Lindsay and Ryan were good together, followed by Teresa. I think because they have the past and she's willing to sacrifice things. You for have him. Marissa last. Yeah, of course, Marissa last. Okay, Absolutely. I asked this question because I had a moment in this episode where, um, mm-hmm. well, I guess this was actually last episode, but it kind of all wraps up here. Um, well, I've been very much beating the drum of Marissa and Ryan are not meant to be together. That's why they keep having these problems. That's why they keep breaking up. That's why they have to introduce so many new characters because Ryan and Marissa are not good together. But whenever she went to talk to Sadie and he went to talk to Gidget in the last episode, that's when I was like, they really do care about the other person being happy. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing, though, is I, I will say this. Marissa and Ryan are great when they're not together. Like you they're think, great so you to think each Marissa's other. great, right? Oh, to each other. Okay, to each other when they're not together. Well, I think that it's. I mean, it goes deeper than that because it also goes to like their family connection and, um, it, you know, they just they have his like Ryan basically started a completely new chapter of his life. You could say he started his real life, if you will, when he moved to Newport, and Marissa was a part of that from the start. Um, I I think that. I think they were probably the best. Like, just the other girls, they just weren't going to work out. I feel like it was annoying because they almost hit you in the face too hard with, like, look at Sadie. Sadie's so perfect for Ryan. When, really, I don't think that they actually had all that much in common. Right. Well, Ryan had a, a line in the last episode where he tells her, like, I can be myself the most with you more than anyone. Yeah. And I was like, is that true? Because <laughs> you've seemed very not yourself. I mean, happy Ryan is not the Ryan that we know, right? Mm-hmm. Just saying. It's a, fu- it's a nice Ryan to have. Right. But may, are, do, you think, do you think in that moment they knew what was going to happen next season? And were they teasing out, like, fun, happy Ryan's going to come out all the time with Taylor? Oh, do, what so what do we think was going on there? I don't know. I mean, fun, happy Ryan. Ryan doesn't exist on the level that we saw this week. It, he is that he is more fun in season four, but like what we saw this week was just bizarre. Mm-hmm. Okay, question ten starts with a yes or no question, just yes or no, and we'll get into it. But are, do we consider Marissa and Gidget a couple? Are they together? Yes. Yeah, you think they're, they're a couple? couple? Really? I would yes. disagree mm-hmm. with that. Why? I mean, there was a there was a scene in this episode where she calls him and says, "Hey, I can't go on this trip with you," and he goes, "Okay, whatever," and just hangs up on her. I was like, "Is that something that your boyfriend would do?" Like, I don't think that's a couple. I think Marissa could go. I think Gidget could go off on this trip that he's going on and fuck anybody, and he wouldn't think that it's okay because they're not a couple. And I think Marissa would probably feel the same way. But that's just Gidget's personality. Anyway, the point. So so you're the decider. Um, I I think that they're. I mean, I guess that's a good point. I, I keep trying to stop myself from thinking um, in, adva- in advance, but I can't. Um, you know, I think about how she takes him to prom and how it's kind of like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? That's risky. But if it was your boyfriend, then it wouldn't be. But risky. I mean, yeah, I mean, if it's just, it seems like so it seems like it's a casual buddies. relationship. Yeah, it's a friends with, but it's a casual relationship. They're not in a relationship. Well, they're in, I think it's more than friends with benefits because they're obviously like into each other. Like whenever I think about friends with benefits, it's like, oh, we're fucking, but like we're not necessarily like... Yeah, I'm not like sharing my cocaine know. with her. No, I just feel like in this episode where she's like, we're going to the sweater party and he literally says, that's the gayest thing I've ever heard. I was like, that's that not was... a relationship. Y- yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, also, it's just wearing sweaters, man. Calm down. I know they have sleeves. Yeah, but I don't know. Worry. Like that was a really aggressive reaction to like, like forget about it even being a slur. Although that was very uncool. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, that's just like a very strong reaction to have to like a 
you know, in a situation like that, college yeah. tradition, like you know, like okay. So the point. Okay. So the whole yeah. point of me asking you that question was to get to here where we are now, <laughs> because in this episode, mm-hmm. Seth and Summer break up, Ryan and Sadie break up, and they are. I mean, Summer is. I was so devastated for summer when it showed her crying in bed like that was hard to watch it was, bad. It was, it was made sad. me it made me really sad um and i mean seth seems upset whatever fuck seth i'm so over seth but they have all broken up and i don't consider marissa to be in a relationship with gidget i think that i think they're hooking up so do we remember the last time that all four of them were single like i think they are now the pilot no wait single like not dating other members of the core four not dating anybody or not with anyone. I guess you can make the case that Marissa's not with full with check. Not with anyone. But. Uh, Valent- I think that's the beginning of the Valentine's Day episode, right? Because it was right after um, Oliver and Marissa break up. I think you're right. Yeah, so that was the last season time one? that all four of them were single. But yeah, Seth, season one. Uh, but Seth and Summer... No, no, you're right. No, you're totally right. Because I okay. just thought about yeah. that because I watched that episode last night. And Summer has a line where she's like, oh, well, we're all single now. Man. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's crazy that they're all, they've been... So they've all been in some sort of weird thing until this point where I consider them to all be single right now, which is a weird, mm-hmm. weird, weird way to go to the end of the season. There. Well, yeah. no, there has to be several because in season two, um, you know, Summer was with Zach for a lot of it and Marissa was with Alex. So they all had to be single during those months, too. Well, no, I don't, I don't mean with dating each other. I mean, single in general. Oh, I see. Yeah, like okay, everyone so is single. Everyone is single, period. The. Okay, yeah. There has to be moments like, there has to be a moment. No, 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 no. Because whenever Summer and Marissa are like, oh, we're single. We're going to take Lindsay out. Lindsay's dating Ryan. Yeah. So there, there are two things that I want to talk about. One relates to set garbage Seth, the, a point that Leslie mm-hmm. brought up. And the other thing just relates to the sweater party. I'll, I'll go through them really quickly. But I just think that Leslie, like whenever she watches these episodes with me, she really heightens the experience because she actually pays attention to the show. Um, unlike me. And so when Seth lied to everyone about getting into Brown, um, Leslie goes, wait, he didn't get in though. That's such an easy one to figure out. And then she reminded me how he told Summer to give his parents that letter if he lied again. I completely mm-hmm. forgot about that. But no, I, I guess- didn't. D- doesn't. I mean, I, I vaguely remember the ends and parts of this season. I really don't remember. I remember there is a point where they all were. Ryan and Marissa go to Berkeley to do like some prospective student thing. I also remember there's a Seth fire. And Seth, wait, what? Yeah, Seth and Summer go as well, and he's like still pretending to be a student in no, Brown. No, I'm sorry, Berkeley, not Brown, Berkeley. Oh. And yeah. I think yeah. Anna, and remember, Anna they, they shows like up. Ag- Anna and... shows up again sometime in the next uh-huh. four or five episodes. Also, yeah. and there's she a she shows up at Brown, and there's a fire. Right, like Just Seth like gets high and lights Sandy's office on fire. Yes. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. This is all happening in the next couple of weeks. I just don't remember how it all falls into place, but yes. The, the other, perhaps more important point is I spotted a Texas A&M sweater um, at the sweater party. And like, can you imagine growing up in Newport Beach and then moving to College Station? God, we are in for something. That's the real tragedy of this show. The real yeah, they're sadness. An, they're an SEC school now, so shout out to, shout out to A&M. Shout um, out. Those are my mechanical. Those are my ten questions. The only thing I didn't really cover, have a question for, was the scene where Matt goes to the Cohen's house and Kirsten talks to him, and then Kirsten kind of has a moment with Sandy at the end of the episode where she leaves. We don't even know where she goes. She just walks out the front door, and then we never see her for the rest of the episode. I know where she's going yeah. just because I know what 
comes up and oh. so she yeah. fell off she fell off the wagon yeah right? I, I, yeah it's I, like, I don't remember this at all really i didn't know yeah this. like like literally if you go onto imdb i had forgotten it first but i went to imdb to see kind of what episodes we had coming up like one of the one of the lines or one of the summaries just says kirsten's drinking again is like a sentence <laughs> oh, <laughs> i'm gonna see if i can find it while you guys are vamping <laughs> No, I just, um, that was just a weird scene that I thought was, um, I mean, I, obviously Matt and Kirsten don't have a lot of scenes together, if any, besides this one. Also, Taylor and Sadie had a fun scene together at the beach party. So a couple other things that I want to bring uh, point out in the episode, mm-hmm. uh, Sandy brings up his friend from Berkeley, Paul Glass again, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> nice bit of continuity. And the other thing is I really appreciate how awkward and stunned Sandy and Kirsten made that dinner. Oh, like, that they was were great. Just dead silent and like good for them for calling out the worst fucking idea I've ever heard in my entire life and then whenever Sandy goes and talks to Ryan he's like well we were planning on paying for you to live in the dorms but with Sadie like you guys are gonna have to get a job Mm -hmm. and then suddenly Ryan's like oh this is a bad idea (laughs) but I still think that Ryan was gonna do it i think he wanted to be with sadie yeah i, I feel like i it. feel like sadie broke up with ryan ryan did not break up with sadie yeah i mean for sure because but that was a good everything worked out as it should have she went to that big party everyone was excited about college she wasn't going to be involved with college see she saw that ryan had a built-in community because of where he went to school and she realized she wasn't going to go to school there it would have been tragic honestly if ryan was living a commuter life instead of the college life like i know that I wouldn't have changed in my experience. I know neither of you guys would have either. You know, college. When me and Dylan met and became besties. That was, that's history. Sidebar question that I thought about during this episode, but I didn't write down. Is the show trying to tell us that Volchek and Sadie are both out of high school they've already graduated they dropped out like what is their situation they just don't go i think they're old they're both older so they both graduated sadie wants to yeah well sadie seems like she could have graduated i bet volchek dropped out yeah okay but they are both not of the age where they need to be going to high school like 1920 kind of like alex aged only they alex's age was very murky to everyone she was was like maybe i'll go back to high school you know she said she was 16 in the episode but she managed a bar oh no we talked about this yeah Yeah, it's uh, it's it's like problematic dylan what do you want to say before we leave okay i'm trying to find this this it this, doesn't matter it was on eight no it does it was on hbo can't wait to just, edit around um, the outfit of the episode is when everyone's wearing their college sweater except for seth <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing brown he was wearing an yeah, awkward he was, he was wearing brown he was wearing a brown track uh, zip up he was wearing he was wearing an awkward facial expression in their group photo that's dylan pointed out yes he was you can oh, see it you yeah, can check that... it out on our instagram I would just want to say, I agree, Chelsea, you have full authority over outfit of the episode. I did want to give a shout out to Summer's outfit where she showed up to the Cohen's house wearing her like her brown uniform with the glasses. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, that was darling, too. Oh, so I good. All right. That will do it. Thanks, Dylan, for making me realize that we need to be done. That'll do it <laughs> for this week. Uh, like I said, five more episodes, three more weeks of podcasts. And uh, then we'll probably take a, take a little break before season four. But uh, until then, you can reach out to us. You can contact us on Instagram at CoensPod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Or you can uh, email us, CoensPod at gmail.com. Dylan, what else can they do? So the first thing you can do is listen to this synopsis for episode 24. Sandy is voted man of the year. Kirsten hits the bottle. 
second line is that Kirsten hits the bottle this season. Um, but if if you want to prevent me from hitting the bottle, you can give us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, um, some kind words. They don't even have to be complete sentences. They can be zeros and ones. They can be in a different language. Some of them probably are because I'm sure that we have a massive following, like, I don't know, in Portugal. I really honestly don't know because I can't look at those reviews. Anyway, just please do it. Do it for me. Do it for baby Eloise, who's, I want her to, as I've said before, I want her to be born into a world where her dad's podcast that he you know, forces people to suffer through with him has over 100 ratings. Make it happen for my daughter. Make it happen for Dylan's daughter. Um, all right. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Anything else, guys? Perfect. Oh, That's yeah. it. No. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>